The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Tommy's here. I am here. The show's presenting sponsor is Window Nation. Call them at 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com if you are thinking about new windows. Window Nation's deal is the best. More on that coming up later on in the show. They're the best people to work with, and they've got a great product. Windownation.com or 866-90-NATION. Mention my name. You get a free estimate. You've got nothing to lose. Uh, Yeah, thanks to all of you that reached out to say how much you enjoyed Cooley's film breakdown and the Cooley show yesterday. If you missed it, it's available everywhere. And it looks like, knock on wood, we have fixed the issue that some of you had had with Apple and Spotify where you were just getting ads. I knocked on wood because I got an email yesterday, late yesterday, that said they identified the problem and the engineers uh, have fixed it. Uh, We shall see. We didn't have a problem yesterday. We didn't have a problem the day before. So I probably just jinxed it, Tommy. God, I hate doing that. I am superstitious. Are you? No, I'm not superstitious at all. I I think superstition and maybe some form of OCD go together. I think I've told you this before that, I mean, I, I knock on wood a lot. Like I do things like that. I, I, I'm big into like numbers. Like if I'm watching, let me give you an example. If I'm, this is definitely obsessive compulsive. I don't think I have like a disorder with, uh, obsessive of being obsessive compulsive, but I do think I have a bit of an issue, but like if I'm watching a game in which that game is very important to me, which would mean I'm either really vested in the team because it's a team that I love, you know, Maryland basketball, right. Maryland football, the Wizards or Washington's commanders. Um, or if I have a if I have a sizable wager on the game, like I'll do things with like the volume on the TV. Like there's certain numbers that are good oh luck numbers for me. Oh my God! <laughs> I know so I'm in nuts. Other words, you have a volume. You have a winning volume level. I do have a winning volume level. I do. And by the way, I have more than just one winning volume level because I have to because my winning volume level 
is really loud. Like I, I guess I'm developing some hearing problems. I mean, when you know you do what I've done and what you've done too for a long period of time, and you end up with headphones on your head for much of every day, you're gonna develop some issues. And yeah. you have hearing problems just in general, and then it's even worse when you have a cold like you have. But I end up yeah. listening to and just watching TV at higher volume levels. So my go-to number, I have two go-to numbers that are higher numbers, 68 and 82, which is really high. Oh, my God. What is there? Is there a jackhammer in your room when you're watching TV? I don't know. I, my, my son, my one son, Corbin, and I, when we're together watching the games, he loves to hear the crowd. He likes it loud, too. Plus, he's a musician. He has headphones on his ears a lot. Well, we can't do that when there are other people in the room. So when there are other yes. people in the room, my go-to tends to be an odd number. Okay, so I've got 68 and 82, but then I have 29 and 31 that seem to work for me, and occasionally 17 is a good number if we've got people that aren't used to kind of a louder volume in the room. So yeah, and sometimes I'll be flipping between those numbers in between plays. Like if there's a bad play, and then I might have to get to a different number. Oh my God, this is... <laughs> This is this is like something that you would see in a movie, like a movie about a degenerate. You know, if you're in a bar, have <laughs> mm-hmm. you ever asked a bartender to put no, it out a no, certain no, 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 that's no, no. I, I, I'm not. You know, this isn't a really terrible situation. Um, okay. I, I mean, where I ha- where I can't be somewhere without it being exactly the way I need it to be. I mean, but I, you know, what started this conversation is. I guess superstition and obsessive compulsive disorder, they kind of go with each other, don't they? I think they do. I don't know. I'm not a psychiatrist. Well, um, since OCD is repeating the act that you've done, mm-hmm. and superstition is repeating the act that you've done, not necessarily right one right after the other, mm-hmm. I guess yeah, I could see the connection. Yeah. Um. But I don't have that issue. You know, it's funny. Uh, I listen to the TV under normal circumstances at about 22. Mm-hmm. Okay. But what has it been recently? Uh, 45, <laughs> uh-huh. 49, and yeah. my wife can't stand it. You okay. know, she, she just can't stand the fact that it's so loud. Well, when we're in bed at night and the TV's on and she's been watching, God, I I know a lot of you have been watching this Suits. Have we talked about Suits? Are you familiar with Suits? About what? Suits, the TV series, Netflix. Do you know? You don't know what Suits is. So Suits was this show that was super popular, like I think like 10 or 11 years ago. And for whatever reason, it's now super popular again. My wife is hooked on it. And so when I actually am in the room at night, I've gotten not hooked on it, but I've enjoyed it. It's the show with Meghan Markle. It's the show that Meghan Markle became kind of a star in. And by the way, Uh if I haven't mentioned this already, um, she's gorgeous. 
I mean, in this show, she's a 12. Like, I know a lot of you because this has become, like, I don't know why all of a sudden it became popular again. I can't explain that. There is some story about a re-release or something, or maybe it's Meghan Markle being a royal and, you know, whatever. But um, a lot of people are watching this show right now. And she really was, and I maybe she still is, I mean... At this point, at this point, when she was doing this show, I guess she's probably like thirty years old. How old is Meghan Markle now? I have no idea. I'm not a royal person, nor are you, right? Is Liz? I barely know who she is. Yeah, well, she's married to Prince Harry. Okay. Um, she's forty-two years old right now. Um. Anyway, what, what I was going to say is. I'll get into bed. My wife's watching Suits. It's been nothing but Suits recently, over the last month anyway. And she's watching it, and I can't hear it. It's on 6 or 7. I'm like, give me the remote control. I can't hear anything. And she's like, well, you don't turn it up to your normal level. And I'll turn it up. I'm like, I can't hear anything. I mean, unless you're going to put, you know, the subtitles up there, I need it up to at least, at least 15 or 16. And then when I start to put it up, she's like, oh, it's way too loud. Turn it, turn it down. Yeah. So. It's become like the air conditioning argument, the loudness of, of the TV argument between men and women, I think. <laughs> yeah, although, um, actually, she's not a big turn the heat up person. I mean, I would sleep year round with the windows open, even during the winter, like the last week or so when the weather turned more fallish and we've had, you know, nights in the low to mid fifties, we've, I've had my windows open. I love sleeping with like the windows open and fresh air. To me, it's a much better sleep than air conditioning. And yes, I cannot sleep when the heat gets jacked up in the winter. Can't sleep. It, 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 it's, now. Now, have you, uh, you know, we haven't had a TV in our bedroom since we moved out of our big house. Oh, really? Uh, well, we use uh, use tablets, use phones, and and the headphones, you know? Right. But when we had a big t- TV in our bedroom, I used to have uh, Bluetooth headphones that connected to the TV. Right. So my wife couldn't hear it when I was watching TV. Right. Maybe you should get headphones. I, well, you know what? We did have that situation f- a few years back. Um, but, you know, the truth is is that I don't watch a lot of television in bed at night. She does. I'm usually downstairs, and I'm watching TV downstairs. And then when I come up, I'm actually ready to go to sleep. And, you know, <clears throat> until recently, my schedule was such that – I couldn't sit there with the TV on until, you know, 1 a.m. and then try to get up at, right. you know, a, a few hours later. Schedule's different now, but I'm still caught up into the getting up early. I At least I don't have to get out of bed at 4.30 in the morning. And I'm not getting up at 4.30, but I get up at 5, 5.15, which is still early. Um, but so I don't really, uh, I, I, I don't, there was a time where I was always, the TV was always on. And many times I would fall asleep with the TV on now. I don't like falling asleep with the TV on now. I like it off. We have we have a noisemaker, well, too. I like turning the noisemaker on. Because you think you cursed 
the podcast by saying it's fixed. Yes. Yeah, and I had to knock on wood. Hear that? That's what I was doing. Yes. Yeah. Good way to start the show. Um, don't forget to rate us and review us <clears throat> wherever you can uh, rate us and review us, but especially on Apple and Spotify. Follow us. That's a big help. And subscribing to the podcast is a big help as well. Um, there are a couple of – so this one I'm going to read from, uh, from Steve. Steve writes because it kind of relates to the upcoming game this weekend. Um, not a Washington fan anymore, but I'm still a Kevin Sheehan fan. Well, that's very nice. Uh, born and raised a Washington fan, passion started to wane post Gibbs 2.0, and even more so after I moved away from Virginia. I kept up with the home team by listening to Kevin and Cooley and impressed friends with what I learned from Cooley's film breakdowns before anyone else was doing it, by the way. Yes. He was the pioneer of the film breakdown. And again, yesterday's show, because he was really ready for it. Some of you know, last year, I was kind of forcing him to just come on and do a quick, you know, a, a, a quick run through like the actual TV copy. He he did three and a half to four hours of prep work on the All-22, and it was great yesterday. So if you missed it, it's totally worth the listen. Um, anyway, uh, Steve continues, I've since joined Bill's Mafia and mostly hate-watched Washington the last five or so years. Which, by the way, you know, Tommy, I'll just interject, a lot of people did that. I know that. I remember, I think even the two of us, when we were doing a radio show together, did this segment at one point. Are you rooting against them now? There were a lot of people before Dan sold the team a few months ago that were rooting yes. against Washington. Uh, yes. Steve continues, but I've kept because on. They thought in some way, if things got so bad, right, that he would be gone. Yes. Uh, Steve continues. I've kept on listening. Uh, Kevin sniffs out smelly lines like a shark. He's got famous friends. I don't know about that. Um, Tommy's is fa- well. I guess Scott and you are the famous friends that I have. That would be my my two famous friends are Scott and and Tommy. Well, Cooley's famous. Tony's Tony's Cooley's actually more famous than I am. Tony's the most famous. Out of everybody, maybe, I don't know, I guess maybe Scott is. Um, Most of these people were either friends of mine before they became famous, or I just worked with them, which is how I got to know them. Um, Anyway, he manages a wide range of topics without getting political. I'm happy for Skins fans and their team's 2-0 start, but my alliances are fully with Buffalo now, prediction 31-17 bills, and then he suggests Lorenzo Alexander as a guest. That's a good call, by the way. Um, he played here and in Buffalo. Um, uh, but Western New York loves him, uh, as in Lorenzo Alexander. Anyway, I'll keep on listening because even though Washington snuffed the fandom out of me, uh, this show's never let me down. Thank you, Steve. Let me just – I could never, ever – Steve, this is not knocking you, okay, because I know others have gone down this path. But even at my most dispassionate – I could have never become a fan of another team. That, to me, has always... Well, I I think these were extenuating circumstances with this team and with Dan Snyder, etc. But I could never become... 
if I was really passionate, even if I lost passion as I did, I can't imagine. There's no chance you'd ever get me to be a Ravens fan. And I do know people over the last 10 plus years who were Redskin fans who became Ravens fans. But I don't know. That's, oh yeah, there are there are those out there. That's not something I don't I don't think that could I I I don't think I could ever do that. I could okay, become, let me ask you to, yeah. to find something here. Okay. If you're at a Ravens game and they're playing the team you don't care about, will you generally root for the Ravens in that situation? No, I've rooted against the Ravens. I, I think Baltimore Even if is they're a, playing like the Tampa Bay Bucks. No. I I've only been to one Ravens game or two. It's a great stadium experience, M&T Bank. Yes, it I is. went to a Thursday night game there because I had never been to M&T Bank for a Ravens game, and I just it was on my list of things to do, and I figured it was doable since it was within driving distance. And they played the Browns on a Thursday night game. I don't know. This may have been like ten years ago, eight years ago, and I went, and it was a you know it, it's a great environment. I just wanted to feel that environment because people said it was comparable to what RFK used to be, and it was okay that night. Um, but but I. I wasn't rooting for the Ravens. I actually did root for Joe Flacco there for a couple of years because I really okay, did see, like him. But here's no, my, here's what my you, point. What's your point? If I'm at an event, like when we went on my road trip with my buddies this summer, and we went to a Cleveland Guardians game and we went to a Pirates game. Yeah. Okay, since I don't necessarily root for a team anymore, when we were there in the stadium, I was cheering for the Guardians, for the home team. We were in Pittsburgh. I was cheering for the Pirates at the event. Mm-hmm. I mean, no. I think. I mean, no. I mean, you're you're just kind of sitting there stoic <laughs> if you're not doing something. Uh, well, let me just tell you something. See, here's the difference between the two of us. All right, if I'm at a game and I'm with friends, we are doing something, <laughs> and and it doesn't require rooting for the team because you're in their home ballpark and you want to fit in with everybody else or you just want to do the nice thing, it would be that I would be rooting for a team. As an example, um, we put odds out before an inning on number or an over-under on runs scored. There would be an in-game wager rooting going on. Uh, but no, I don't uh, No, I I've never, and I've been at a lot of sporting events where I didn't have a dog in the fight and I don't recall rooting for the home team at all. I recall just sitting there and enjoying the game because I like the sport or I like the game or I like the company. You know, baseball games to me are, you know, even I'm rooting for the Nats if I'm at a Nats game, but a game for a bad Nats team in the middle of July, it's more about it's a night out. It's, you know, we're hanging out with friends, drinking beers and having fun. But anyway, to your example, no, I would not end up rooting for that team. I would not. Okay, well, I do that. I know, it sounds like it. When I'm at an event. Like, we're going, I'm going to a Ravens game this year as a spectator. Which game are you going to? November 16th, Thursday night game. They're playing the Bengals. Uh, One of Liz's cousins, the cousin I told you about uh, in Spain, who's a big NFL fan, right. huge fan, he's coming over and we're taking him to the to the Ravens game that Thursday night. Now, this is the guy that had the bar, right? No, that's a different cousin. Okay. But that... this is the guy 
he is he can't get enough of the NFL. So, he loves it. So a guy that loves the NFL that's coming over from Spain to go to a Thursday night game, which could be a potential huge game in the AFC North. Yes. So I yeah. I hope you're going to set it up so that you've got some really good seats and that he's not up I in got the... the best. I've already got the seat. I've already got the tickets. They're, I mean, usually when I go to an event like this, mm-hmm. I don't go as a spectator very often. So I generally go for the best tickets I can. So I think I've got some pretty good tickets. Okay. Um... I, that's a very nice thing. And, I, God, can you imagine somebody from another country who's a big NFL fan and they're coming over for their first NFL game, how exciting that will be? Yeah. And that's a really good game. Be. Like, you've got them in a good environment against a rival team. Hopefully it's a big yeah. game because Cincinnati obviously hasn't started off very well. You know, um, I've never – and, look, we're not going to turn this into it – to a soccer conversation, even though a lot of people either enjoy or completely despise our our soccer conversations uh, that we occasionally have, but I really do want to go to you know whether it's a Premier League game or a World Cup game in another country. I want to go experience the pageantry of of a big soccer game. You know, in Europe, preferably, but South America would be fine, or another part of the globe would be fine. But in Europe, preferably, my brother, who you know um, is, you know, he's a he's a red blooded American male sports fan. It's all the you know baseball, football, basketball, hockey, the whole thing, and he's a big fan of all the teams. But because he's lived abroad a lot for much of his life. Um, he has gone to the Premier League Championship game final many times and has been over there for other games. Does he love soccer? No, but he's like, you just wouldn't believe the atmosphere. And, you know, it's part of what I think about when it comes to our football team. Like, so many fans today have no idea when we talk about what RFK was like, they they can't even fathom because FedEx Fields never even approached that. But that's addictive. You know, if, if your guy comes over for his first NFL game and it's a big Thursday night game and M&T Bank is rocking and it's a big-time game yeah. against their arch rivals, I mean, you're hooked. I mean, and uh, I, I do – I want to do that, and I'm going to do that at some point. Not because I love soccer, although I'm more of a soccer fan today than I was five years ago, but um, I'm going to do that. That would not be on your list. Well, you know, uh, one of Liz's uh, cousins Mm -hmm. is a season ticket holder to Real Madrid, and he was going to take us to a game, but they were all away games the whole month we were there. Uh They didn't play a home game until September 2nd. I would have loved to have gotten to that. To see that, okay, to experience it, just like I experienced the bullfight, right? I would have liked to have had that experience. You could have just viewed it as like another museum visit for you, which you always yes. get excited about. <laughs> it's, yes. a, it's 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 a cathedral for you know Real Madrid. I think Tommy, when I was there earlier in the summer, because I did look at the schedule, I think that they hadn't started the season yet. I think that was the issue. Now they started the season August twelfth. Right, exactly. Okay. 
Right. With three away games in a row. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, you know, because they're renovating the stadium there. Right. I remember. I remember seeing that. Um, yeah. All right. So I wanted to um, just read this email real quickly from Jody. Uh, who emailed me, and it's a conversation that I haven't had on the podcast yet, but I want to have with you here in the opening segment. By the way, Tom's prediction for Sunday coming up on the show, and something Eric Bieniemy said today during his press conference we will talk about as well. So yesterday on the radio show, Denton and I did, we had a conversation where we asked each other if there's anything about the first two games, Washington's first two games, that was really surprising. And I said, you know, I don't know that anything's been super surprising. I expected the defense to be good. Um, the offense, we had. there was one good game. There was one not-so-good game. One good game, really good game from Sam Howell. One not-so-good game from Sam Howell. But I did say that I was surprised with one aspect of the first two games. And I'll get to that in a moment. But um, Jody wrote, why are you surprised at the offense? Maybe I should tell you what I was surprised at first. So what I was surprised at was the explosiveness of 32 points in 25 minutes on Sunday against Denver. That's the one thing that if you had said to me, they've got a chance to occasionally be really, really explosive. Look, when you score four touchdowns and kick a field goal in 25 minutes of an NFL game, that is explosive offensive football. Okay? That is, I, I know that they have really good players, which we've talked about, but I didn't think that in the first two games – I would see something that was really something we can put in our memory bank and it should be unforgettable moving forward the rest of the year. Even if they have some rough games, we'll be able to say, look, they are capable of busting out offensively. Remember what they did in Denver. And so Jody wrote, why were you surprised at the offense? Did you watch them in the preseason? Did you watch them against Dallas last year in the season finale? Oh, my God. And then she went through a you know, lit- how, how do you I, deal I know. with that? I, 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 how do you live with that? Uh, if you're Jody or me reading it, which one? Both. Um, Jody, how can you live with being such a dope? Uh, I, and then how could you – I mean, I don't get it. That, that's, that's what's going to drive me out of the business. <laughs> It really is. Well, but I have a lower tolerance for ignorance. I know than I ever had before, and this this just drives me nuts. Yeah, but it makes for a good little segment here on the podcast when yes, somebody does. writes something yes, so stupid. I mean, his measuring sticker. By the way, I think it's a her. Games. I think it's a her because it was Jody okay. with an I. That's I think it. I think preseason games and the, the last game, the last yeah, irrelevant game of the season. Oh, that's your measuring. You should have got. I mean, the, the email went on and on about why Jody, if it is a she, why she saw this as a possibility with you know certain players, certain route trees, Kansas City, Eric Bieniemy, the whole thing. Look, bless your heart. If you saw thirty-two points in twenty-five minutes in game two. I did not. You are way ahead of it, um, especially if you based it on three preseason games in the Dallas game last year. But Tommy, forget Jody in the email. 
Is there anything in the first two games that has been super surprising to you? Well, again, super surprising might be an over an over uh, enthusiastic description of it. But uh, all right, just surprising then. Well, since I didn't have any expectations really that Sam Howe would oh, oh look Sam Howe and Eric Bieniemy right. that's it right that's a surprise to you see but that meant that means that your expectations for both of them I think it means that you didn't have high expectations for either one of them. My expectations didn't exist. I didn't have expectations one way or the other. I said all off season, I have no idea what we're going to see. No idea. I don't know how anybody would know. So being surprised by Biennemi and and Sam Howell, and what we're talking about here really is Sunday's game, one game, because it was not overwhelmingly impressive in the opener. In fact, it was the opposite of impressive in the opener on yeah. offense. So it, it comes with, well, you weren't expecting anything. You, you thought it wasn't going to work. No. I, again, I'm, I'm like you. I didn't know what to expect. Okay, all right. I, but, but again, generally, I know we have a new owner, okay? But we have the same coach who I think has generally been for the most part, a disappointment. So, I mean, your expectation level should have been below not expecting anything in the first place. You should have had low expectations to begin with. Right. Based on the track record of this team since Ron Rivera has has coached it. Here's a question I would ask me if I were listening to this conversation. Sheehan, were your expectations higher for Biennemi or higher for Sam Howell, even if you didn't really have any expectations? Howell. There's no doubt that I was more skeptical about Biennemi, and the reason being is that no one else wanted him. And so, look, he... Nothing's been proven. Okay, let's just – we do have to pump the brakes on yeah. a lot of the ridiculous conversation about what's been proven after two games because nothing's been proven after two games. They were really, really together and organized and exceptional at times on offense on Sunday, and they've been exceptional at times on defense in both games. But I, but I think with how – at least I knew he's got an NFL arm, he's got mobility, he's got a skill set that fits with today's NFL. We'll see. Um, but uh, I have no idea what to expect. With Biennemi, there was something in the back of my mind, and I'm not, I'm not wrong yet to have had this fear, uh, but they do look super organized and super buttoned up and, and well-coached. They do, and I love his mindset overall, the way he approaches these games. But it is true, regardless of whether or not you thought he'd succeed or fail, no one else wanted him as a head coach or an offensive coordinator. You know, And so I, because of that, it's the same – it was to a certain degree the same way I felt about Carson Wentz last year. Like, 
two good organizations, or one good organization at least, couldn't wait to get him out of the building. And we were there. We were the ones that figured it out with Wentz. No, we weren't. And so there was reason to be skeptical about that as well. But I, I will say that there is something about the old school coaching style that I that I like. It's always been my preference, more so than the opposite of that. I also think that they have really looked completely together. Like there's nothing in these first two games that would indicate that this guy hasn't that they that that they're not a professionally run offensive team. Like even when they were at risk of losing to Arizona and not playing well offensively, it wasn't because they were dysfunctional offensively. They they've looked completely prepared operationally. You know, Cooley even pointed out, he said they're operating yesterday as an offense. Like, in the, this is an NFL offense operating. And they were more than just that on Sunday, too. But I was surprised, certainly, by 32 points on five drives. You know, four touchdowns and a field goal with a two-point conversion where they were basically unstoppable in so many ways. Throwing the football short, throwing the football medium length, throwing it downfield, running the football. I mean, they just were hitting on all cylinders in a road game in which they trailed 21-3. to That was impressive. Right. And Yes, and particularly a road game in a very tough place to play generally. Yeah. And it's Denver. But my, my premise, and I agree with you in terms of the enemy, but my premise is as far as being surprised, I think, it, I think the reasonable point of view is not to have no expectations for, for going into what to expect. I think it's less than zero. That's a reasonable point of view. I think if, if zero is a flat line, for this team going into this season, you should have been operating at minus 20. I understand what you're saying. I think, by the way, several people who listen to this segment sent in tweets and various things about what they were surprised with. There were a couple people that actually said, I'm surprised how well coached they've been, and I give Rivera credit for that. I would, I would suggest that offensively, Ron has nothing to do with offense, other than the fact that he hired Eric Bieniemy and gave him the autonomy to do what he wants to do. So he does get credit for that. They have actually been, in these two games, pretty damn well coached. I mean, defensively, Sean Payton, as Cooley said, he said uh, he told the story, he's told this before, Tom, he said, Coach, he said, Joe Gibbs used to say, he had this expression, he said, we've got them shuffling their papers. And what that meant was offensively, we had them guessing and we had them looking at their notes and shuffling their papers because we were a step or two ahead of them. And Sean Payton, Cooley said, had Jack Del Rio shuffling his papers there for the first three drives, which was 100% true. Other than that, other than the three drives that Denver had to start the game, which were super impressive and maybe a little bit worrisome, especially when it comes to stopping the run a little bit, a little bit concerned about that. I'd like to see them button up against the run because Connor had some yards against them in the opener as well. But um, other than that, they have been pretty well coached so far. Ron's well, done a good job managing the clock with the exception of taking that timeout with a second left on the play clock the other day. Um, yeah. 
Let so. me just point out that in the opener against the Cardinals, they had three special teams penalties. They that ha- wasn't good. Well, they had more than they've had. They've actually had a lot of penalties in the first two games. So if that's your measuring stick for uh, well coached, they've had 16 penalties for like 141 yards, something like that, in the first two games. That's that. That's fair. Yeah. Um, you know, typically well-coached teams don't have a lot of penalties. I don't know where it is relative to the rest of the league. I have noticed, and I could be off on this, but in the games that I've kind of been you know, paying attention to, there have been a lot of flags in games this year. Um, in fact, Buffalo's game against the Raiders, is this the game that I'm talking about that I looked at the other day? Uh, no, that's not the game. Maybe it was Buffalo's opener against the Jets. Nope, that's not it either. I think I'm thinking about another game. But there was some game over the weekend where there was like 13 penalties and 12 penalties. Like there was 25 penalties called in the game. Anyway, um, look, 2-0, and going to 3-0. and Ron Rivera said yesterday yeah. that, you know, he basically spoke to the opportunity about, you know, kind of waking the league up to what Washington is if they can beat Buffalo. Now, my personal view is I don't want Ron Rivera to care one one bit about what the rest of the league or the national media or anybody thinks about his team. Just go win and eventually they'll pay attention. Um, but there is no doubt that if they beat Buffalo on Sunday, that there will be a lot of discussion next week outside of this market about Washington. Next week will be dominant conver- conversation about Washington. The conversation changes totally if they win, they beat Buffalo. No doubt. Speaking of that, uh, you'll have your prediction when we come back. Also, something Eric Bieniemy said today after practice. Uh, we'll talk about that uh, right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
This segment of the show brought to you by our good friends at Window Nation. Here's Window Nation's deal right now. No money down, no payments, no interest for two years, plus up to 50% off on all style windows. What does that mean? It means if you get new windows from Window Nation today, you won't pay anything for two years. And when you start paying, you're going to pay 50% of what it should have cost. That goes for all style windows, bow, bay, double hung, any style. You'll save thousands on your new windows. You'll save up to 30% on your energy bills and you'll upgrade the look and feel of your home. 866-90NATION, windownation.com. Uh, mortgage rates are rising. Interest rates are rising. They're keeping their interest rate at 0% for two full years. They've installed nearly 2 million windows with 96% perfection. What does that mean? It means that only 4% of the time do they, do they get called to come back and check on an install. Their average installer has 16 years of experience with over 20,000 windows installed. They're the best company to work with. Take my word for it. I've been endorsing Window Nation for 14 years. I know everybody there. And because I know everybody there and they like me, they're going to take good care of you. They're going to give you a free estimate when you call them at 866-90-NATION so you can do whatever you want with it. You can shop it if you want. I don't think you'll find a better deal. They're not going to pressure you after you after you get that estimate. You can go to windownation.com and do the same. No money down, no payments, no interest for two years, and up to 50% off on all style windows. Call Window Nation today at 866-90-NATION. Go to windownation.com and mention my name. All right, so you wanted to talk about something that Eric Bieniemy said that interested you. So tell me what that was. Well, he spoke today to reporters, and one of the things that he said kind of stood out to me. He said, quote, you never want to put anyone in a box. You want to give them every opportunity to show off who they are and what they're about. That is so reminiscent of what Davey Johnson used to say all the time, and I haven't heard too many coaches or managers ever say this. Davey Johnson used to say all the time, you know, I want to give my players a chance to express their talent. Okay, that's a recognition that players, you know, even under the most solid team circumstances, have egos. Okay, and I think the only people who recognize that are former players. Hmm. You know, not every former player. I mean, Ron Rivera is a former player, played in the league for, you know, what, nine or ten years. And I've never heard him utter anything resembling this. But this is an interesting view, and I think it, it, it probably speaks to the relationship that Eric Bieniemy is building with this team. And I think it's pretty strong. I love that. I, I love that you honed in on, on that. I, I, I remember last year um, – Last year or the year before? It was the year before. It was when Chase Young was struggling and he was being called out, basically called out by Ron Rivera. You know, scheme, maturity, adhering to, remember all of that back in 2021 before he got hurt. And I said at the time, you know, at some point, if you don't get the most out of a guy like this with this much talent, 
then it may be on you. Sometimes there are certain guys that aren't, you know, scheme adhering to guys. And you've got to change the way you coach them or the way you scheme them to get the most out of them. And, like, Bill Parcells obviously was the the best at that, right? Lawrence Taylor never followed any directions, you know, but he let him, like the quote you said, you never want to put anybody into a box, Eric Biennemi's quote, you never want to put anybody in a box, you want to give them every opportunity to show off who they are and what they're about. I mean, you do that with talent, with talented players. I'm not saying that it doesn't apply to other players, but you're able to have more freedom away from the way you coach with talent. And the smartest coaches see that, and they adjust to the player and the player's personality and the player's talent rather than forcing their style on them. I mean, I don't know if that's completely what his quote is about, but I I understand why you... Why you picked that out. There's there's a follow-up to that, too. He said, quote, most important part about coaching is developing those relationships and not saying he can't do this or he can't do that. You know, there's nothing more. The, as tough of a guy as Biennemi apparently is and as much of a stickler as he is, one of the things that came out of that period over the summer, you were away for this, I think. I think you were in Spain yeah. when Ron Rivera came out yeah. and said that players I had know. come to him and complained, basically, about the enemy. But one of the things that the players said as a follow-up to that is that they really like him and they're learning from him and that he encourages them, too. And there's nothing worse than a teacher or a coach telling a young person you can't do this you know i i, I like that quote a lot from eric Bieniemy. um it also probably goes a long way at you know building trust when he allows his players to do what they do well and you know look everybody's happy right now at 2 and 0 it's easy right yeah. now. And all the quotes sound great at 2-0. Oh. Um, anyway. Uh, I'm not sure they're going to sound so great after Sunday. All right, so what's your prediction on Sunday? Well, I've got Buffalo winning. I've got Washington put, putting up a competitive effort. Uh, but uh, I think the Buffalo defense is, is going to make Sam Howell's life miserable uh, and not just for a quarter, but uh, for much of the afternoon, uh, resulting in turnovers that lead to a Buffalo 32-24 to 24 win. 30? I think, you know, they'll both put a lot of points up. Mm-hmm. But uh, what's the point spread? Six and a half. So I don't think Washington covers this week. 32-24 Buffalo is Tommy's. Yes prediction uh you know it's funny i was thinking about the game and i'll have a lot more on it tomorrow jay gruden will be on the show tomorrow also by the way our old friend ryan o'halloran who covers the bills uh, up in oh, buffalo okay. um will be on tomorrow's show as well so we'll get a, uh, an update on the bills 
They're an interesting team, by the way. I mean, they started off with that loss, which shouldn't have been a loss in the Aaron Rodgers injury game, and they bounced back last week in 138-10. But when you mention the turnovers, this is the opportunity for Washington because of the way Josh Allen plays. He will give you a chance to catch some passes that he throws to the you know that he throws or tries to force, um, and then. You know, you can't give them back if you get them. This might be one of those games, and I felt like we said it every game last year. They need to be plus two in the turnover margin. Well, they lost the turnover battle in the opener and won the game against Arizona. And the game on Sunday, they won the turnover battle, and it was big. Um, and the biggest turnover being the forced fumble by Jamin Davis. They were plus two and barely won. I think this might be one of those games they've got to be certainly in the plus on turnover margin to win. But then again, like I said, you know, last segment, we I, I have in the back of my mind a team that I watched be super, super explosive on offense for the first time in years at any point in any game. Like what we saw in Denver, we have not seen literally – since 2017, 2016, 2015, when they really were an explosive offensive team. Somebody's going to send me a game. There's going to be a game or two, okay, but there's not going to be a game where they outscored an opponent 32-3 to over 25 minutes. Yeah. Not 32 points on five straight drives. You're not going to be able to find that for, you, for me, I don't think. Um, thir- I think on Sunday you're going to see a lot more – Designated runs by Josh Allen. Well, he certainly likes to run. He didn't on Sunday, but he likes to run. And they've got Dalvin Cook's younger brother, James Cook, who's kind of taken over for Devin Singletary in that backfield. By the way, they're injured a little bit on defense. Micah Hyde, uh, Leonard Floyd, and, of course, Von Miller's out for the first four games of the year. Um, I don't know if those guys will play. I had somebody on from Buffalo this morning suggesting that they would. And Deron Payne, you know, yesterday missed practice. I'm looking to see uh, if we can get an update on today, um, whether or not he was back. But as great as he was, uh, and it may have been one of the best games he's ever played for this team, uh, they're going to need him Sunday healthy. Uh, Tonight's Thursday night game, Giants 49ers at mybookie.ag. The 49ers are 10.5. The Giants without Saquon Barkley and without Andrew Thomas. I mean, you could argue the two best players on their team. Uh, But the Giants are going to be able to avoid the 0-3 start, Tommy, after they came back at Arizona last week and won that game. Fortunate for them. But uh, I don't don't have an early smell test pick. I don't like this game one way or the other. Uh, I had a bunch of people reach out and say, wouldn't this be your survivor pick? I'm out in my Circa Survivor Pool. I'm alive in the million, uh, the Circa Million. In fact, I think right now I had a three and two week followed by a four and one week. Um, but there are lots of people that have gone undefeated in the first two weeks. But uh, I don't have a college pick or um, a pro pick tonight. Um, but if you go to mybookie.ag and use my promo code KevinDC, you can get up to two hundred dollars in a bonus with a cash deposit of $50 or more. My bookie's got the fairest of point spreads, money lines, totals, and pricing. They allow you to cash out quicker than any other 
online sports book. Bet your deposit amount around one time and you're eligible to withdraw. MyBookie.ag. Use my promo code, Kevin DC. All right, Tommy's got it at 32 to 24 Buffalo. Uh, up next, there's been some stadium news as it relates to the RFK site. We'll do some of that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. All right, Tommy, tell us about Shelley's. Probably a good spot tonight to watch Thursday night football. Absolutely. Shelley's has the best cigars that you'll find anywhere in the district. They always have on hand the top 25 cigars rated by Cigar Aficionado magazine. And you want those cigars when you walk into Shelley's available to you. You know, you want to take good care of those cigars. You could do both of those things by leasing a humidor that are available at Shelley's. They have over 200 humidors available for lease. On the walls of both dining rooms, they give you access to your cigars and preserve them so they'll be at your peak when you care to smoke them. You can find out more, including the lease uh, agreement and requirements. You can download it at Shelly'sBackroom.com. You want your cigars to be, you know, well taken care of, and Shelly's will let you buy them and keep them there and take good care of them. Shelly's back room at 1331 F Street Northwest in the district. Got a really good burger, too, at Shelly's with a very good menu. All right. Uh, I know there's been some news. I've followed it a little bit. You followed it a lot because you're about to write about it. But what's going on with the RFK site? Well, the House uh, Committee on Oversight uh, just passed a bill called, I think it's the Robert F. Kennedy Memorial Stadium Revitalization Act, which basically works towards extending a lease between the district and and the federal government, specifically the Department of the Interior, for 99 years, and also allows within that lease the development and the construction of a stadium and mixed-use development on the RFK land. Okay, that's a big deal. Yeah. And it passed with ease in the committee. It was bipartisan support, which means it'll probably pass through Congress when it winds up for a full hearing. That's the first step. The district couldn't do anything about bringing the team back to RFK until they knew they had access to the land. This, when it's ultimately passed by Congress, will give them the chance to do that. They've got a long way to go before it comes reality, but this is the first step. And it's good news for people who want the team to move back to RFK. But the big that's a big step. And having the ability to do what they want to do with the site is a big step. But ultimately, this comes down to taxpayers in D.C. And am I wrong to say 
taxpayers in that district, in the RFK district. And I'm writing about this in tomorrow's Washington Times. People are underestimating the not-in-my-backyard factor. I mean, that's what stopped Cook from putting the stadium in Potomac Yards over across the river in Virginia. Uh, Him and the governor stood at a press conference saying, this is where they're putting the stadium. The people in that community said, no, you're not. And that's what happened. This is where Cook, that's why Cook wound up where he did. Not because of the financing, not necessarily because of, of the politicians, but because of the outspoken opposition in the community. And that RFK neighborhood has dramatically changed over the years. I've, told, I've talked about that before. And most of the leaders there have spoken out against a stadium there. That's going to be their biggest hurdle. And they have the city council is not crazy about this either. The mayor loves it, uh, and they still have to figure out a way to pay for it because uh, these new owners don't have the pockets after spending $6 billion for the team to then finance a new stadium. So where are you right now in your prediction of where this team plays when they play in a new stadium, whenever that is, 2028, 2029, whatever the year would be? Look, RFK took a big step forward as a potential site when Dan Snyder sold the team. That that removed a big obstacle. I still think Maryland is the path of least resistance next to the existing stadium at FedEx. And I see no reason to change that as what I think will wind up being the number one pick. You got anything else? I got nothing else for you, boss. Deron Payne is out at practice right now. That's what's being reported. We'll see if he ends up on the injury list. Tomorrow, Jay Gruden with his weekly Friday visit. And as I mentioned, our old friend Ryan O'Halloran, who covers the Bills now, will get an update on them. I'll have smell test picks. I'll have my final score prediction. And definitely we'll talk a little bit about this incredible college football Saturday coming up as well. Have a great day back tomorrow. Don't forget, if you missed the show yesterday with Cooley, it's there. Uh, and it's there at the KevinSheehanShow.com or KevinSheehanShow.com. But I think, knock on wood, <clears throat> we're okay with Apple and Spotify right now. At least that's what I was told. All right, back tomorrow.